Thomas Hoyt Jr. wrote this, Witnesses, those making the testimony, must speak the truth as they have seen, heard, and experienced it. In the text we're going to look at together this morning, from the Gospel according to Mark, you're going to read about a testimony given about a certain person that did something worth remembering. We will get there in a moment. But before that, I want to give some space for people to share. And I talked to Luke earlier in the back. There's going to be seven minutes. That's all we get. Okay, Seven minutes. And I want, if you have something to share, I want to give space for some people to share. We only have seven minutes, though. And this is what I want you to share. What someone has left behind. A memory that is spoken of about a person who has died that is continually shared to others that are living. A memory that you always share about a person that is no longer with us, that you just can't help but share, maybe every day or maybe every year on their, their death anniversary. And I'll give you a start because this morning I was looking at it again because I knew we were going to do this or I wanted to do this. I texted my grandma about a memory that I always think about my grandpa. He, handed, he started with quarters, okay? He started with handing out quarters at family get-togethers. If you want a game, you get a quarter. You just ran up to him and said, I won rock, paper, scissors against my cousin, and he gave us a quarter, okay? It doesn't matter the game. And then he went to the gold dollar coin. The gold dollar coin, you remember those? I think they still have them around. But he started handing out the gold dollar coins. And you wanted to win a game then, because it's a gold dollar coin. One year, I went to his graveside, and I said, Dad, do you have any dollar coins at your store? And he said, yeah, I'll bring one home. So I, dropped, I went to his graveside, and I dropped the coin in the, the flower pot by the graveside. I just dropped it in there. And it was about a month later, and my grandma said, did you visit Grandpa's grave? Because I saw a gold dollar coin there. And I was like, yeah, it was me. But that's a memory that I will always share about my grandpa because that's who he was. He wanted to hand out things, a generous grandpa. So that's a start. That's a memory that I will always share about my grandpa. So do you have anything to share about a memory that you always share about a person who's no longer with us? Just a short, could be a sentence, a word, or whatever. Does anybody have something? Young and old alike. My dad left us a memory when he planted a crabapple tree out there. And so every spring, I think specially for him and thankful that he planted that so we could remember. Oops. My brother, my dad, there wasn't anybody the man did well. Okay, thank you. Anybody else? Luke has a timer going, so seven minutes. I picked the perfect number, okay? Should have had the mic runner up here. This is a memory for Al's grandma. He has a hard time breathing and talking, so 
I'll share the memory that when he misbehaved as a child, Grandma got on her little kerchief and swatted him with it. He tells that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it hurt. It's a good memory to share. One of her favorite hymns was the old rugged cross. The old rugged cross. All right. Good. Anybody else? I just wanted to get my workout in today. So. Yeah, when I was younger, I had a uncle Clarence, and he uh, couldn't sing a tune. It was always flat, but he would always be out there loud and proud singing praises to the Lord. And that just brings me great memories thinking of him. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. My memory goes back to Ralph Woodard, who married Jim and I in Indiana when we were down there on a trip uh, for the Bible College. And, he's, and right now I'm studying his life for the rest of you. So he's always been a special place in our heart and in the history of the camp. Thank you. What's the time, Luke? What's the time? Okay. Mine's a real old one. My great-great-grandmother was told in the family that, because um, this is back in the 1860s, that she chased off an Indian with her frying pan. Okay. <laughs> Anybody at less than two minutes? Once in a while, I'll do things like this, so don't be caught off guard. Anybody else want to share? Any kids want to share about somebody, memory that you hear about that somebody's passed away that they always share, your parents may share it? Anybody? No? Going once? Twice? Soul, okay. The children can be dismissed there. Thank you for sharing. Um, when there's texts of Scripture that bring up these types of things, I want to make space for people to share, for people to remember um, those memories that we have of people that have passed away that we always share. And sometimes we laugh about them. Sometimes we'd be like, why would they do that? And how did they do that? Or I want to do that. So um, just remember those memories that we do share and have of people that we've loved so dearly. We're going to go to Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. And like I said, we're going to read about a testimony that something that was worth remembering from a certain person. Mark chapter 14, verse 1 through 11. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill Him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, 
a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body and before and my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Before we jump into this text and learn from it, let's pray together. God, we give you thanks today for you are good. Your love endures forever. We thank you for the gospel according to Mark. I pray that our ears would be open to listen to what you have for us from it today. Help us to learn and grow in our faith. And not just the knowledge, but also the practice of our faith. Thank you for the many blessings that have been given from you to us. And we thank you for just those who encourage us in our faith. We praise you that Randy Russell got to come home this past week. I pray that you would continue to give strength to him, strength to the family as they help him around the house now. Be with rehab that it goes well. Just give wisdom to all that are taking care of Randy at this time. We also think of Betsy as she's recovering from surgery. Continue to heal her body and continue to give um, those around who are caring for her wisdom and um, the strength to care for her during this time. And yes, thank you for being a good God a God who cares for us and whose love endures forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's five words I want to bring to you before we dive in. Testimony, a first-hand authentication of a fact, evidence. A memory, which we shared some today, a memory is an image or impression of one that is remembered. A biography, you may like to read biographies, I do. A biography is a usually written history of a person's life. If you don't like the long biographies, you can read a biographical sketch, which is a brief description of a person's life. You may never have heard of this word till today, but it is that's a Greek word. It means a remembrance 
to perpetuate one's memory. That's what we have in the text today. A memory that will be shared wherever the gospel is preached. That's what we have in this text today. Thomas Hoyt again, I mentioned it earlier, witnesses, those making the testimony must speak the truth as they have seen, heard, and experienced it. Mark has written down for us what he has maybe heard from Peter, maybe have experienced it. I don't know if he was there at the time, but he somehow heard this story and is speaking the truth and it's written down for us today. Questions I want you to ask yourself and have in your mind as we're going through this today. I want you to have these questions in your mind. What do we want left behind? What do we want people to speak about us? And what kind of testimony, memory, or biography will be written about us or spoken about us? So have those questions in your mind as we're studying this together and learning from this text together. What do we want left behind? Mark chapter 14, 1 through 11, gives us something that is going to be remembered and told about till Jesus comes back. Now, if you look at it, it's in the middle of the chief priest scheming to arrest Jesus, and at the end you have Judas Iscariot going to the chief priest telling them, I'm going to give you an opportunity to arrest Jesus. And in the middle of that, you have this story. So, look at the beginning of it. <clears throat> the chief priest and the teachers of the law, they were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly. They sought Jesus, they sought out to kill Jesus. They wanted to arrest Jesus and to kill him. So they're scheming together. They didn't want it to make it public though, right? They're like, well, but the festival's going on, so let's not do it now. The people may riot. There's going to be a commotion. We don't want that to happen. So they're like, another time. We're scheming to do it, but not right now. The festival's going on. They must wait. So that's the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They're waiting for a time to arrest and kill Jesus secretly. And then we get this story. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. So in Bethany, and if you remember, I don't know how many weeks ago, I, did, I forgot to look it up, but I gave you the definition of that town, Bethany. It's the house of misery. Okay? That's the, the name of the meaning, the, the town meaning, the house of misery. And now they're in the home of Simon the leper. That's all, that's all we get, Simon the leper. And this scene takes place. They're reclining at the table, must have been a meal. And all of a sudden, this woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume. She comes in. Now, Mark doesn't give us the name. And like I said earlier, I want to try to stick to just Mark. It doesn't give us a name of this woman. She just comes in with this alabaster jar. And what does she do? She breaks the jar and pours the perfume on Jesus' head. What a scene. Is that a scene to look at? Can you picture that scene? There's people reclining at the table. They're eating. They may be talking. They may be laughing, sharing stories. I don't know. 
But then all of a sudden, this woman comes in, breaks a jar, and pours it on Jesus' head. And it's an expensive perfume. It's not some cheap perfume. It's expensive. could have been a family heirloom, most commentaries said, that they were saving up. Just passed down from a family from generation to generation. So it's expensive, but she breaks it and pours it on his head. And then, some were like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting this perfume? They knew it was expensive somehow. They knew. Why are you wasting this perfume? We could have sold it for, what, a year's wages, okay? And gave it to the poor. Now just think about this for a moment. In that society, who was the least welcome in that society for a meal? To do this type of thing. Who was least welcome? Women. Okay? They don't say, why is she here? What do they say? Why are you wasting that perfume? So they don't, they don't mind that she's there. But they say, what are you wasting this perfume for? We could have sold it and given it to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. That's a phrase that I don't want to hear often. Rebuked harshly for doing something that we'll see later that's beautiful. They rebuked the woman harshly. So what does Jesus do? I want to give you first, before Jesus' response, they rebuked her harshly. A different English translation reads like this, and this helped me out a little bit. They criticized her sharply. Criticize means to find fault with, point out the faults of. They were saying, you're doing something wrong. What are you doing? They're pointing the fault out. Another translation says they scolded her. Scolded means to find fault noisily or angrily. They're like, boisterously saying and very mad and angry saying, what are you doing? Do you ever do something good and somebody rebukes you harshly saying, why are you doing that? And angry at you for doing something good? That's what they're doing. The Greek word is embrim aum ahi, to be very angry. These people are angry at this woman for doing what she's doing because it was so expensive we could have given it to the poor but how does jesus respond and as i was looking ahead to this week we're going to read proverbs 15 this week and proverbs 15 starts off a gentle answer turns away wrath i believe this is a gentle rebuke by Jesus. I don't think it's an angry rebuke. He says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And, she expl- and he explains why she is doing it. I think it's Jesus gently rebuking these people around, saying, just leave her alone. She's doing something beautiful. Amidst the noise, 
of those present saying, why are you doing this? Jesus gently says, hush. (laughs) Be quiet. She's doing something beautiful. Let her do it. Because she's doing it beforehand to prepare for my burial. There's another speaking about his death. You know, if those around him didn't know that Jesus knew he was going to die, they should have known now that it's going to be soon. She's prepared for my burial. So I think this is just a gentle rebuke saying, let's hush the room a little bit. Look at what she's doing and leave her alone. Let her do it. And then you get verses 10 and 11. We'll come back to that story in a second here. But then you, remember I told you, the chief priest, it started with the chief priest scheming, then you get this story, then it's bookended again by arresting in Jesus. Arresting Jesus. So Judas Iscariot goes to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So listen to this for a moment. If you've been with us in the Gospel according to Mark, just listen to this because I had to go back and do it. Mark chapter 3, verse 6. After Jesus healed a man's shriveled hand on the Sabbath, Pharisees and Herodians plot together to kill Jesus. Then you get to chapter 11, verse 18. So that's one time, if you want to count on your fingers. 11 through 18, after Jesus cleared the temple, remember that scene, he cleared the temple, the chief priest and the teachers of the law began looking for a way to kill Jesus. That's number two. Chapter 12, verse 12, after Jesus speaks a parable against them, the chief priests, teachers of the law, and elders look for a way to arrest Jesus. Number three. And then in this passage, you have the chief priests and teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him. That's four times so far that they're looking for a way to kill Jesus and arrest Jesus and kill him. Now Mark chapter 14, 11 comes and the chief priests have a way that will get them to Jesus to arrest him and kill him. They have one of Jesus' own followers watching for an opportunity to hand him over. So you have four times they're like, we want to arrest Jesus and we're looking for a way to kill him. Now, the fifth time, they have a source that's going to get them Jesus. Judas Iscariot. Now they have it. They're like, we have one of his closest followers on our side. It's going to happen now. They're excited. What does it say? They are delighted to hear this. They're like, yes, now we got a way to arrest and kill Jesus. A beautiful thing it was. Go back to that. Why are you bothering her? Well, first of all, leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. A beautiful thing 
it was. In the Greek, it means praiseworthy good deed. Now go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. So this woman, Jesus says, she's done a praiseworthy good deed. In Hebrews chapter 10, the Hebrew writer writes to the church in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, the writer says this, and it's when I read good deeds, it's the same word, the same meaning. Praiseworthy good deed. Okay? So the Hebrew writer writes this, and let us, now if we're reading this, who's the us? Us. The church, the family of God. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. A beautiful thing. A praiseworthy good deed. That's what we're supposed to be spurring each other to do. And Jesus says, leave her alone. She's doing something good. She's doing something beautiful to me. And we're supposed to be spurring each other toward love and beautiful things. Are we doing a good job at that? Are we? Do we actually take time to say to each other, hey, what can we do in Jesus' name? What can we do for Jesus? Let's do it. Because it's beautiful for Jesus. It's beautiful to do those things. Because Jesus says, leave her alone people you are, who are angrily, noisily, harshly rebuking this woman for what she is doing. Leave her alone because she does a beautiful thing to me. Praiseworthy good deeds. I know this is a little shorter sermon, but I want to read you something. This was handwritten. It says this. Leave her alone. When I heard these words, I was relieved. Those around me were murmuring and angry at what I was doing. Well, it wasn't necessarily the act I was doing, but the substance I was using. The perfume I had to pour on the head of Jesus was quite expensive, but it was what I had. I wanted to do something for Jesus with what I had. Jesus' voice was so gentle and kind, yet firm and bold. Why are you bothering her? Again, Jesus did not shy away from what was happening. He wanted those who were getting in the way to get out of the way. It is okay for her to do what she is doing. She has done a beautiful thing to me. I sure did not think of what I was doing. There was an opportunity to do something for Jesus, so I took advantage of what I had and gave it to Jesus. Jesus praised me for the deed I did unto Him. Wherever the gospel, the good news, is preached, 
throughout all the world. What she has done will also be told in memory of her. This deed that I have done unto Jesus will be told wherever the good news is preached. Wow! In memory of me. Wow! This was unexpected. I was just doing what I could for Jesus with what I had. Now people all over the world will hear about it. Wow! I am truly humbled on this day. My love for Jesus has grown since that day. I leave you with this here. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. What will be left behind in your memory? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Signed, the unnamed woman from Bethany. What will be left behind in your memory? That's the message today. Let's pray. God, this text is so beautiful, yet it's challenging. This woman did what she could for Jesus, and it was a beautiful thing. I pray that the hearers, all of us that heard this, would continue to be challenged in our faith. Maybe even say, I want to follow Jesus today. I pray that we would just seek your face daily and trust that you are in control and to trust that you say who you say you are. You love us. You loved us so much that you sent Jesus, your son, to die for the sins of the world. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.